Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to the Fire the Family podcast in episode 20. I can't believe we've had 20 episodes so far. Uh, If you go back to the very beginning, if you've been listening since the first episode or if you've gone uh, backwards to listen to the older ones, uh, you may have noticed a change in the format and the way that we do things. I'm really excited about what we're doing now in the future and I'm sorry for kind of changing it uh, on you, but I think you will have noticed a good improvement from where we were just a few months ago and where we are now and hopefully continued improvements on where we are going. Um, before we get started on the episode today, that's going to be all about uh, cash flowing a master's degree, basically going to school and getting a degree without going into debt. Um, we'll talk about how we have done it, how we're going to be doing it again here in about month and a half when my wife goes back for her master's degree. There's a lot of good tidbits uh, in this uh, post and in this episode. If Even if you're not considering college or if it's something that you didn't do or if you've already done it, it you may think it doesn't apply to you, but uh, at some point in your life, you're probably going to have people, coworkers, family, friends uh, who have kids or themselves are wanting to go to school and uh, maybe be able to provide some actionable advice to them and achieving the same result without going into massive student loan debt to achieve it. Before we get started on that, though, I want to talk about one of the big changes that has came to the website here this last week. I've been very busy on updating it, and I've developed a new page called Listen. It's up in the top menu bar at firethefamily.com, or you can go to firethefamily.com listen, and each blog post is going to have an episode, a podcast episode, and that's kind of what I've been doing uh, the last couple months. And we're going to continue doing that. And it's got a lot of, there's a lot of good reasons why I like doing that. One is from an accessibility standpoint. Not everybody is a reader or wants to sit down and read. Some people just simply don't have the time or the bandwidth to do that. And so I want to provide a way for them to get the same uh, education, same content, um, but be able to consume it through a different means, whether that's audio or reading or what. And so now there's a place on the website where each episode can can live and have a full transcription. So if you go to uh, fam- firethefamily.com slash listen, you'll see right now there's episode 19 from the most recent episode is on there. There's a little intro. There's a direct link to listen to the episode. It'll tell you how long the episode is. It'll tell you what you're going to learn. Um, all the show note links, any, any resources that may be helpful to that episode are going to be there, as well as a full transcript. I found a great way to uh, transcribe my audio content. Uh, though it's time-consuming, uh, it's definitely worth it. Um, I believe the last episode, while it's 29 minutes to read, uh, came out to be about 8,000 words, and that's pretty interesting. And from a from um, a search engine optimization, a website, you know, Google search standpoint, it's definitely helpful for my traffic and getting you know new listeners and new visitors. So I'm really excited about that. 
um, and just providing another way for you to consume the content and get uh, more of a deep dive, if, if you wish, into uh, what we're talking about here. Um, the other thing I want to plug and I want to talk about is that I've been working super hard uh, developing a new, I guess, a thir- four-week, 30-day-ish challenge called Does It Fit Your Budget? And it's almost complete, and I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to launch it. Uh, but for all my listeners, uh, if you come to the website, firethefamily.com, and just sign up for my newsletter, uh, you are going to receive a link that's going to uh, provide that for free. So to anyone that listens and supports the, the website and the podcast, um, just go to the website, sign up for my newsletter, and I will email you a link when it launches for you to access it for free. And what I'm looking for is feedback, uh, any success stories, testimonials, um, any information at all on your, you know, any input on what you think of the challenge. And the idea of the does it fit your budget challenge is to provide a way to kind of teach people how to budget uh, without making them sit down with an Excel spreadsheet and actually um, deep dive into their budget. And so I'm really excited about it. It's going to teach people how to um, how to live at kind of a bare bones expenses for a few weeks and get to know kind of what that feels like. And that will help them prioritize uh, where they should be spending their money. So what Kayla and I did, long story short, over the course of you know a couple of years it took us to figure this out, um, is to really reduce all of our expenses down to our food, shelter, water, uh, bills, you know anything that's absolutely ne- necessary to keep the lights on, keep our stomachs full, and keep clothes on our backs, and find out what level can we live. Do we you know what's it cost for us to live at that bare minimum? And then it really helps you identify the priorities for when uh, where you should be spending that extra money, right? To be a little more comfortable and maybe have some more conveniences in your life. So for us, it was um, um, not eating out for about a month um, at all and figuring out, oh man, you know, tonight would have been really nice to just order pizza or tonight would have been a great night to go out and eat with the family. And so we figured that for us, we enjoy some conveniences and we enjoy eating out as a family and, uh, you know, going to different places and trying different foods and having different experiences. And so we expanded our budget a little bit in that department. And so we provide a little bit more room to be able to go to lunch during the work week with coworkers and be able to go out, um, you know, a couple times a month with the family to restaurants because that's something that we enjoyed. Um, but also, we didn't put money back into other categories that we were spending on that we deemed not really a priority. So hopefully that was uh, clear. But the does it fit your budget is awesome because. It's very actionable. It's four weeks worth of learning, worth of activities and things that you can do um, that are going to help drive that and really help communicate that with your partner if you have a significant other in your life and you're trying to get them on board with, with the whole um, you know, financial independence or just really getting a hold of their finances. I'm really excited about it. And uh, it's right now it's, it's up to, um, there's quite a bit of material and uh, you'll see that going live on the website here in the next month or so. Um, and I'll be sending those links out here in the next couple of weeks, probably as I, as I get this uh, course, uh, well, it's not really a course, this challenge kind of um, finished up. So thanks for listening to that. I promise I won't plug my own stuff too much, um, but let's get started into the episode here cash flowing a master's degree and I put through WGU on the blog post and that's because that's um, that's how we're doing it and I want to spark people's interest into kind of what that is and I've talked about it on the podcast in the past and I've talked about it in other blog posts uh, about uh, Western Governors University and what that is Um, but it's basically a online university it's fully accredited in the degree programs that it offers and it's got a long backstory about a bunch of governors getting together and having kind of a round table to make college more affordable and have better options that are future friendly. And, and I think the people that did this uh, were very intelligent and forward thinking in that 
uh, e-learning has become such a huge thing and it's the industry that I work in um, in my day job and it's just exploding it's just getting so big and there's so many players in it and it's what people really want people are busy we're very uh, spread thin these days especially working families so for us having an alternate way to go to college and achieve a degree as an adult that works full time and has you know several kids and lots of responsibilities it's so nice to be able to go to college on our computer online and it's at a university that's fully accredited that's pretty rare and so a lot of the online universities still require you to come into class a certain amount of times or they you know are kind of scam type schools or they're just really expensive um so uh, Western Governors University is uh, fully accredited in the degrees that it offers. I took my MBA through it, and um, Kayla is going to be my wife is going to be taking uh, the teachers going through the teachers college for a master's in a curriculum and instruction. And WGU was named by the uh, National Council on Teacher Quality as the best value in teacher education among 1,100 programs nationwide. And they're fully accredited. Uh, we know several teachers that have completed their master's and bachelor's through WGU and have you know, gone on to either get and gain employment in the school district or have gotten a pay raise for completing that education. So today we're going to talk about not it's not this episode isn't just about WGU. I definitely want to give a good plug for them just because it's it's such a great option for people in situations that are similar to ours. And it's really leaves not many excuses on the table for why like you can't earn an education. And I understand college isn't for everybody, but in our situation it's done it's completely changed our lives. And the reasons being is that we didn't go into massive amounts of debt to uh, graduate with a degree. Um, we were able to do it relatively uh, cheaply, and I actually got paid to go to school uh, for the like six years that I went to college and worked. Um, I was I, I received a monthly paycheck, and that's because I went in the military and I earned the uh, post 9/11 GI Bill benefit. And I was able to use that to go back to college where my tuition was paid 100% and I received a monthly living allowance of about $1,200 a month. And uh, I was still able to receive financial aid and grants and scholarships. And it was like the best financial decision I could have ever made and a really great way to just invest in myself and something that's going to pay dividends for the rest of my life. And that's what we're looking at, right? Not everyone's going to go join the military. I understand that. Uh, and it's not an option for about 99% of people that are out there. And uh, But you can still go to school. There's pathways to go to school and get an education, whether that's an education in the trades, whether that's an education in uh, from like an, a university or whatever that education may be. Uh, you can still you can still do that without going into massive debt, and uh, well, that's the kind of the pathway we're going to talk about today. The path that my wife took, um, because she didn't join the military, and though she was a military spouse, and some would argue that that's a difficult job as well, which I fully agree. Uh, she was able to go through. You know, this will be her second degree. So her, she's done a bachelor's, and this will be her master's, and she'll have done it with taking out less than five thousand dollars in total debt. She had that debt before we got married. Um, that student loan debt. And so, um, but that for, for as many degrees as we've completed and the things that it's done for our lives to only have that much money in student loan debt is just ridiculous. And the interest rate's so low and it's such a low monthly payment. That's the only reason we haven't uh, paid it off yet. So we discovered WGU through um, family and family friends. My mother-in-law 
long story short, we worked for a company and that company was very small, but very you know, valuable. And they ended up getting bought by another company and get, having to move to Utah from Washington to Utah, I believe. And so the option for her was you can come with us and move to Utah or you're out of a job. Well, she had been working basically in the finance department, um, I believe kind of as an accountant, but she didn't have a degree in it. So she wasn't classically trained as an accountant. She just had been doing it for over a decade and um, had a lot of experience. Well, when she decided not to uproot her family and move them across the United States, uh, she found herself kind of hard pressed to find a job where that was going to pay her, you know, at that same level that she was used to uh, used to making. So she decided to go back to school. And as a, you know, as an adult, non-traditional college student, she decided WGU. I'm not sure how she found out about WGU, but she's very intelligent and did probably did a lot of research and uh, and found it through uh, those means. And so she got an accounting degree through WGU and right away pretty much had offers and opportunities to go work out uh, for the uh, the city or the, yeah, the city that we live in. And she ended up getting a pretty solid job. And now I think she's working somewhere else and um, things have been really great for her uh, from a career standpoint. And so I think that that uh, was kind of what drove it in me to say, hey, you know, I've I want to get an MBA, and that was something when I was a kid, not a kid, a young adult, I was like 18, 19 years old, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want that someday, right? That's like what I want to achieve. And I didn't really have a good reason why. I knew I wanted to be in business, and I really enjoyed the idea of like finance and money and um, you know all the things that go that come along with uh, running an organization. And I saw, I, I, just, I think I just really wanted to be a professional and have a career, and that was kind of the idol that um, that I looked up to for that. And so I just always had it ingrained in me, even when I was in the military, that that's something that I wanted to achieve. Um, but I knew I had to do you know things before that. That as far as like getting a bachelor's degree and uh, working towards a, a master's. And so uh, for me, by the time I was ready to, to, to do my master's in business administration, my MBA, I was uh, working full time and I had three kids and married and have a house and a lot of responsibilities and my kids in you know, T-ball at the time and just a lot of things going on. And uh, WGU was the only way I could have completed that with all those responsibilities in my in my personal situation, as well as um, be able to, to finish it in a, a, a quicker pace than what I would have been able to do at the local brick and mortar university. And that's because uh, it's a self-paced program. And so you basically can test out of some of the courses. Uh, you have to do papers for some of the other courses. And once you prove that you have the aptitude or the uh, competency for the material, you can move on to the next one. And for me, I only had so much benefit left after using the post 9-11 GI Bill for my bachelor's degree that I had to do it a little bit sooner than two years. And so for me, it just worked out perfectly. And my wife uh, had some uh, students that she went to school with in her undergraduate degree for her uh, bachelor's in teaching. And they went on to start teaching. And a lot of them have gotten their master's from WGU in teaching and um, went on to get pay raises right away. And, uh, you know, it was something that what from our perspective, to kind of sum it all up was that we saw many people get a degree through WGU and saw the results of that pretty quickly. And it's a great way for a working family, working parents to uh, continue their education and increase their income. And so for us, it was a great move. And we're really excited for Kayla to get started um, here in a couple months. So let's talk about cost of tuition real quick. So between a brick and mortar university and something like WGU, 
um, I shouldn't say something like between a brick and mortar university and WGU, uh, it's the cost is just obnoxious. It's about a third of the price as what our local brick and mortar state university branch campus costs to go to school. Kayla and I both went to the school for our bachelor's degree, and this is about how much a master's degree costs at the same school. Keep in mind, it takes about two years, I think a minimum of two years to complete a master's program at this brick and mortar university. And it's a public school, it's a state school, it's a branch campus. There's no um, lodging or housing uh, in this equation. It's according to their website has a total cost of about $28,600 per year. Uh, per semester, that's $14,314. That's an awful lot of money, right? Like that's significant. We would have to take a student loan out for that. There's no way we could cash flow that um, every four months having to pay, you know, 14000 divided by four. Uh, there's no way we could afford that. That's just, you know, several thousand dollars each month. Um, and it would just, it would be, it, we would go further into uh, debt to achieve that, right? And really looking at what the end goal is the end goal for Kayla getting this degree is that she will get a pay bump from the school district and it doesn't matter if she gets that from a physical university it doesn't matter if she gets it from an online school uh, as long as it's accredited and she can show the transcripts and the diploma uh, she will get that that same pay bump but that's not to say that she doesn't want to get better at her career and be a better teacher and a better educator and have more career career opportunities those are kind of a given um, but we're just we're just talking about tuition and cost of cost of uh, going to school versus the uh, potential return on investment here so uh, something like WGU, their tuition is $3,385 per six-month term. And the average time to complete the program there is about two years, but you can do it sooner. I completed my MBA in about 15 months. And so we're forecasting, Kayla, to take about 15 to 18 months to complete. Um, here in the article, I used 18 months. And that's three six-month terms. And the total cost of her master's degree would then be about $10,155 total, right, for the whole degree. And so uh, you're looking at about a third of the cost and we're able to cash flow it. And what's that mean? When you can cash flow something, you're able to take your savings rate, which is the difference between the amount of your uh, total income that you bring in for that month and the amount you're able to save, right? So if you bring in, you know, let's say $10,000 a month and you save 1,000, your savings rate is 10%, okay? So we're able to save enough each month that our monthly payment will be about $850. Um, and that's because that's because you pay for the term in four months, four installments, uh, each six month term. So if you take $3,385 and divide that by four, it's $850 uh, monthly payments. And we are able to cover that um, and more than cover that. And so we're going to be able to still invest and reach some of our investing goals for the year, not all of them, because that's $850. That's an, that's a significant amount of money, right? Um, so we're going to be putting off uh, some of our uh, lofty investment goals. Um, so they're going to go a little slower because we are prioritizing Kayla's education and the return on investment that's a, that this will provide our family more than uh, maxing out some of those accounts this year. Um, so we're able to cash flow this whole degree, which is super exciting. Because when we talk about uh, return on investment, this is something that gets really convoluted when you're talking to people about college. So you have the people that don't go to college uh, that chose not to for whatever reason, um, which isn't a bad choice. That's their choice, right? Um, that they may see it as a waste. They may see it as not an investment. They may see it as a scam or whatever, you know, enter whatever reason or objection to college uh, in the blank. But 
you also have people who went to college that went into massive student loan debt. And when I say massive student loan debt, I'm talking like $50,000 or more. I mean, I personally think that anything above like 10,000 is massive student loan debt, but we're talking about a whole generation that averages like 30 to, uh, you know, I don't know, $30,000 in student loan debt. Like that's, or more, I'm not sure what the exact average is, but there's people that are, you know, 50, 75, 100, $150,000 in debt for degrees like education or degrees like engineering. And it's just, it's obnoxious. And so you have people that went into that massive debt who probably would, who probably call it an investment because it makes them feel better about the choice that they made when they realize that they made a poor choice going, you know, deep into debt to, to get that education. And so it's really hard to really identify what investment means when you're talking about college. What does that mean? Well, in my opinion, it's how much money did it cost you to earn that degree and what potential or what has that degree done for you since graduating? So if you haven't gone to school yet, if you haven't earned the degree, uh, you can really only make educated guesses and forecast based on like internet averages and talking to professionals in the industry about like, Hey, what, what this degree, what can this degree do for me? Um, and using that information, you need to be a good judge. If that was a good choice, if that's a good choice or a good path to go down, here's an example. If it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars to become an elementary school teacher at the end of the day, if you're going to go away to school and live in a dormitory and buy a food card and you do everything on the back of a student loan, uh, then that's not a good return on investment because you're going to on average earn about thirty-five dollars to $45,000 per year after that. How long is it going to take you to pay off the principal and interest on that student loan making forty dollars to $50,000 a year? You'll probably never pay it off if, if you want $100,000 in the student loan debt. Um, so that's something to consider, right? So if, if it costs you $10,000 to get a job, let's say let's say you get a degree that's uh, in engineering, you're going to be a mechanical engineer, and somehow you figured out a way to go to college and get that degree for only $10,000. That's a great return on investment because your first year out of college, you're going to be earning probably sixty, dollars uh, 50000 $70,000. And shortly after, you'll probably be pushing $100,000 per year. So that to me would be a really great return on investment. But that's it's so individualistic and it's really dependent on who you are as a person. And if you're even, once you get that degree, if you're even going to be able to go out into the workforce and sell yourself to an employer, so many people just go to college and they, uh, realize when they're out that the degree itself isn't going to get them a job and they still have to learn how to sell themselves and their abilities and, and go out and earn it on their own. And that's really difficult for some people to get, to get past. So, Based on that definition, I'm not sure that I would call anything that requires me to make principal and interest payments for decades an investment. And I said, including our house. I don't, I don't see our house as an investment. At the end of the day, after after being in our first home for almost two years, uh, I don't, I don't see this as an investment. Like, yeah, we're up, we have quite a bit of equity in the home already, uh, but the amount of money it costs us to um, to upkeep, uh, to buy things like a ladder, uh, but to buy things like a miter saw because we want to make improvements to do things like re redoing the kitchen that we, re- that we redid, wanting to put in hardwood floors, wanting to uh, do all these things to the house. At the end of the day, that equity is probably eaten up. And I just, you're paying so much to, to interest that it's just ridiculous to consider something like a, a, the house that you're living in to be an actual investment. And my feelings are, are double for, um, for school student loan debts. Uh, so if you're having to pay principal and interest payments to the government or whatever gave you your student 
student loan, then I don't see that as an investment. That is bad juju. That is negative. That is a liability in my opinion. Okay. It's a bill. It's debt. It's a liability. Uh, so here's an idea of what our experiences with Kayla's bachelor's degree. Her bachelor's degree is in elementary education. It was, I would consider that an investment because she took less than $5,000 in student loan debts prior to us being married and it landed her a job that paid her 10000 or not 10000 10 times that per year. That's a really great ROI. So she started out at the school district making about $54,000 per year and uh, cost her about 5000 total to earn that degree. And that's amazing. That's really great. And uh, yeah, I think that, that that is what I would consider an investment. Uh, the master's program that she'll be working on in 2020 through WGU is also a great return on investment when we were looking at it because it's going to cost us about $10,000 for her to graduate. As a teacher, you get paid based on time and service, teacher training, and continued education, okay? And getting a master's in, cur- in curriculum and instruction will give Kayla about about seven to $10,000 pay bump. I'm not 100% on how much it actually is. I think it's about 8,000 based on uh, all the teacher salaries are public record. And so you can look on, on the internet and find out what they're making. And you can look at the pay scale and the pay scale is based on credits and stuff. So there's a couple questions on the pay scale that I had uh, that haven't been answered yet, but I think it's right around eight, about $8,000 that she'll get per year more when she can show that she's graduated with a master's in education. Uh, we won't realize a positive ROI for about three years from today, uh, but it's going to return value for the rest of her teaching career and our lives. Uh, it's going to allow her to put more money away in her uh, in her retirement fund or 457B account. It's going to allow her to uh, make more over her lifetime. It's going to increase her income trajectory, which we talked about in a previous podcast episode. And I've also written kind of extensively about income trajectory. And these are the these are the moves you want to be making in your 20s, people, or early 30s, because it's going to greatly increase the amount of money that you are able to make over your lifetime. And it's really exciting. And I'm really excited that she's got the motivation to do it. Definitely something that I have not pushed her to do. I've, I've encouraged it if she wants to. And uh, something that she really wants for herself. And she's a great student. She does she does way better in school than I ever did. I was a, I was the last person in my senior year, probably one of the last people that anyone would expect to have gone or graduated from college. And a lot of it was out of necessity and because I had kids that I wanted to set a good example for and because I got real serious about uh, my career and wanting to provide for my family at a high level. And I had the college benefits from the military, so I would have been kind of dumb not to take advantage of that. I believe in education. I believe in college and I believe in, in, in doing it if you can do it the right way. I also believe in trade schools. I believe in, um, I've kind of had both experiences. So I started going to community college right after high school. Uh, that didn't work out so well for me. And I quit, I quit the baseball team there and decided to get married and join the Air Force instead at the age of 19. And the Air Force is largely a tech school. So I went to technical training after basic training for about four and a half months, learned how to work on airplanes. And I was an aircraft mechanic on the Boeing KC-135 in-flight refuelers. I got stationed in Wichita, Kansas, and my job every day was grabbing a toolbox, getting on the truck, and going out to the planes to maintain them. We had about 40-plus airplanes on our flight line, and we had to, there was not a lot of us on each shift, and we had to maintain those airplanes, and we had to make sure that they were serviced and that they were refueled, and that the parts that broke were replaced, and that we changed the tires and the brakes and all the fluids, and that we got them ready for launch and got the got the crew out there to uh, to take the plane uh, for flights, uh, training flights or missions, and uh, then deployed and did the same job while deployed. And all of that is to say that that is a tech, a very, very 
hardcore technical job, right? And the training was tech school, it was tech school training. And so I'm just a huge believer in in a young person going to learn a technical trade, whether that's automotive or pipe fitting or being a welder or whatever it may be. Those are just so valuable and our society needs them more than ever. And so I'm a huge fan of people that make that choice. I think it's a great choice. I think it's a great alternative. Um, I don't even want to call it an alternative. I think it's just another path you can take. I would hate calling it an alternative to a, uh, you know, like a traditional university education because I don't see it as an alternative um, because that to me is saying that one is less than the other. And I think that they're equally beneficial and we need to do a better job as um, educators and as people that have uh, influence over young people in educating them that, they need to do what's right for them and what makes most sense for them and what they'll stick out and what, uh, you know, and what's right for their personalities and the way that they learn and push them towards the ways that they're going to be the most successful and open those doors for them. So for me, that's extremely important. And so I don't want this to sound like I'm pushing college or anything, but I do believe in getting an education, whatever that form may be. And it may just be on the job training. It may be that you go out and you work for somebody who's doing a job that you want to learn how to do. And you tell them, Hey, I want to learn how to do that. Can you mentor me? Or can you, can I be an apprentice for you? I'll work for you for low, low pay or no pay. And you can learn the, learn the ropes. And that is super valuable as well. While it's not going to give you a lot of or any piece of paper that says, hey, I'm certified to do these things, it may give you, um, it may help you with a resume and it may help you land a job in the future and just may be a really great experience for you. So those things are so important. And I think that uh, I think if you do end up paying for an education in some form, that that's probably one of the best investments that you can make as long as you don't go into massive debt to get there or it becomes the opposite of investment. It would become then a liability and you want you don't want liabilities. You want as low liabilities as possible and you want to put your money in assets and you are an asset. I am an asset. We are, you know, we humans are the greatest assets on the planet. And anytime that you're improving yourself and you're, um, you're making yourself more valuable as an employee or as a citizen, uh, you are doing the world a great service. And I think that we, a whole generation got put pressured by parents and by people uh, in the media and the people ahead of us that are giving us advice and that college was just something you have to do and at any cost it's okay to go deeply into debt you'll pay it back someday and at the end of the day it just didn't translate into enough money to pay back a lot of that debt that's why I think right now we're about was it 16 trillion dollars in consumer debt that's like credit card debt I don't know if that even counts like it's got to count student loan debt and auto loans and all that stuff so consumer debt is just obnoxious and some people would call it a bubble and some people are saying that that's going to be the the cost of the next the reason for the next recession so it's going to be really interesting to see how these things play out college continues to just get unhinged and get more and more and more expensive um, when there's really affordable ways to do the same thing. Uh, $3,000 a term, you know, their undergraduate is like $2,800 every six months for through something like WGU. And they have a bunch of degrees. They have, uh, they have uh, business degrees. They have tech degrees. They have like IT as uh, what I'm talking about. They have teaching degrees. Um, they have a whole plethora of, of degrees, probably not as many options as you'd get somewhere else, but that's because their focus is on uh, degrees they can offer online and maintain full accreditation of those degrees. They don't provide training or education on uh, 
industries that they can't be certified for. And that's such a huge thing. Uh, If you're going to spend your money and your time going to school, you want to know that six months from now or three years from now or 10 years from now, that that degree isn't going to come out and say, oh yeah, this was a scam and your degree is useless. You don't want that. Um, but anyways, just to sum it all up, um, Kayla and I have chosen a much more affordable path to go to college between the two of us. We'll have had five degrees and she doesn't count my first one because that was, I achieved that through the air force. Um, even though I did have to go to actual community college to finish it, uh, she doesn't, she doesn't recognize that whatever it's an AAS degree. So she associates of applied science. Um, uh, but we, between the two of us have five degrees and we've totaled less than $5,000 in student loan debt. And I don't count hers in anything I talk about really, because I mean, I like to be transparent with you and give you all the information, the accurate information about what we've gone through. But I don't like to count it because if we had been married and she had started school after we got married, we would, we would not have gone into that student loan debt. So I kind of put the blame there. <laughs> uh, if you want to read more about my experience getting an MBA, uh, you can check out a couple articles, um, you know, avoiding student loan debt while earning three degrees, getting an MBA with or without work experience, how I got paid to go to college, all that kind of stuff. I've written extensively about it. Um, the end goal really is for Kayla to increase her income by achieving an advanced degree and uh, become a better educator at the same time. With that in mind, there's several ways to accomplish this. Let's just summarize everything. Uh, WGU checks all the boxes because it has a faster time to graduation. The total cost of tuition is lower, quite a bit lower, significantly lower. Uh, the ability to attend remotely as a parent, as a working full-time parent of three, being able to attend school at your leisure, nights, weekends, holidays, mornings, nights, afternoons, during nap time, whatever the case may be, is so valuable to us. Uh, It's a fully accredited degree program and recognized by the teacher association, national teacher associations, and social proof. We have friends and family that have achieved our desired outcome by going down the same path. And those are some things that you want to consider when you're considering going to get an education and I know that there's alternative when you go to like uh, tech school, there's alternative tech schools like that are kind of scammy, just like there are like, you know, like charter school or whatever, like certain schools that you see used to see commercials for online for like the kind of alternatives to college. Um, every every kind of form of education has has like a weird shady alternative. And so don't think just because you're going to a trade school that you don't need to kind of check those boxes and see if it's you know fully accredited, if it's been around a long time, and if the people are actually working in the industry that this uh, tech school says that they're going to work in. Like if you went to a tech school and they told you that they're going to train you to be like a certified Harley mechanic or a certified Honda mechanic or something like that. And if you don't see people graduating there and going and getting a job as a certified Harley mechanic or a certified Honda mechanic, you're probably... Uh, Uh, you're probably not in the right place. They may not be actually doing what they say that they're doing. So always, always check. It's an investment. You got to do your due due diligence. Just like if you're going to buy a company or buy a stock or buy an index fund, you want to know that they've been around a long time, that they have a history of positive returns. You want to know what the leadership's all about. And you want to make sure that you understand the investment before you put your money where your mouth is. So with that being said, Uh, I just want to thank you so much uh, for hanging out here today, whether you're uh, laying in your bed all cozy comfy on a uh, winter um, Saturday morning, or if you're uh, on an airplane doing some business traveling or anything in between. Uh, Thank you so much for spending the time with me today. I want to uh, just always give so much gratitude for uh, you all and uh, appreciate you. So if you want to come to the website, put your email in my newsletter box. Uh, I will send you this Does It Fit Your Budget uh, challenge when it comes out. I'm looking for your feedback, looking for your support. 
And I'm going to, that's going to be completely free for you too, because you are a, a valued listener and you know, I'm not, I'm not here to nickel and dime anybody. Anyways, I hope you have a great day and, uh, you know, reach out to me whether that's on Twitter, social media, you can find me. I'm trying to be pretty much everywhere. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Have a great work week coming up and uh, we'll talk to you soon.